0: You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Page to Stage,
1: a conversation with theater makers.
0: We're your hosts.
1: That's Brian.
0: And that's Mary.
1: This episode is part of our series on Six, the musical. In this series, we uncover the process behind the musical through our central question.
0: What role does history play in the storytelling of Six, a show that uses the history mix as a device?
1: We hope you enjoy this episode.
2: Hi, my name is Lucy Moss, um, and I am a theatre writer and director, and I am one of the writers and one of the directors on Six the Musical.
3: <laughs> Hi, I'm Toby Marlow. I am a writer and a performer in the industry, and I am one of the writers of Six the Musical, along with Lucy Moss.
1: Amazing. Welcome. It's such a pleasure to have you you guys here. Thank you for, I know the time, the time difference is a little wonky, but thank you for hopping on with us today. You're actually our second two person episode, if you will. So we've had, usually we record with one person, but um, you're our second, but our first writing duo. So I know we're very excited (laughs) to chat all about your process. We love writing duos. (laughs) We know that you both wrote six while at university. Um, I was curious as to if the piece was commissioned for the Edinburgh Festival or was it an assignment with school? I know it was connected to like a musical theatre society, I believe. Yeah, it it, it, it was
3: it was the the Cambridge University Musical Theatre Society, also known as Cumps with an with an M in the middle there. Um, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, yeah. So, so they wanted to take an original musical to the end of fringe because in previous years they'd taken like pre-existing ones and like, you know, rights was expensive. And, you know, there was lots of like keen beans in our in our time at uni who like did lots of writing. And so they were like, it'd be a good idea to um, take an original musical to the fringe. And so they kind of opened applications of like any idea you just had to like apply as a as a writer to to write it with an idea. Um, and that's 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 what I did. Yeah.
1: Oh wow. So you didn't even have to have like a like a rough draft or a finished draft. You could just pitch your your thought. That's awesome. Yeah, I
3: I didn't even pitch with the idea of six. I pitched with kind of like like four-prong like criteria for the kind of show that I wanted to do, which was basically um one that um had a like a famous subject matter because it was like, you know, the fringe, lots and lots of shows. You want to have something that's going to stand out something that played around with the form a bit something that um used pop music because you know that was like the music we loved to listen to and i liked writing and then something that had um a majority of or all female and non-binary cast because for you know several reasons because um we you know had loads, and loads of friends at uni who were like unbelievably like talented women and non-binary performers who in all the musicals got really like shit parts because um it was like you know either like there was a female love interest that was like oh i love this man or like oh this man doesn't love me or like a kind of thing and and so we were like oh it would be funny to like write something for them that was really like funny and like showcased all their talents and showcased their humor and charisma but also kind of conversations that i've been having with my friends lucy had been having since she was at drama school about how like you know female parts in musical theater are like not as interesting or funny or charismatic or as good across the board as as um the the male parts to be to be super binary about the whole thing but yeah that was that was kind of like you know the impetus of where of where that came from and so that was the criteria i applied with and you know other songs i'd written and other ideas and things and from that Uh, They gave me the gig.
0: What were the conversations like to actually solidify your topic and picking that point of history and those, those gals to uh, center a story around, especially because, I mean, uh, we've touched upon this in two of the previous episodes we've done on the six series is like, we're, we're coming at this from an American perspective. And we'd love to hear what that's like from your perspective in the UK.
3: It's funny because like, the choice to do it about the six wives of Henry VIII, it didn't come from like a love of the Tudors or because we were like obsessed with like that period of history or those particular women, um, and like even like you know Lucy like studied history at uni, but like you know n- neither of us were like huge like Tudor buffs and and like and we we're obsessed with that with that group it was literally because it was you know those criteria that i said i was like okay so it's gonna be a famous subject matter and like a group of women what's like a famous group of women either from like literature or from history so i was thinking like the like the witches from macbeth like the like the other female characters from shakespeare like you know the six wives of henry the eighth and then the 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 this is the, the musical theater society which i won't say out loud again um were They were like, Toby, like, we need to like solidify what it's going to be about because we need to start applying to venues. And I was like, okay, okay, let's just go with like six wives. But like, how, like, how to do that in an hour at the fringe with pop music? Like, like, and that was kind of like swirling around. And then one day in like a poetry class, I was like, oh gosh, what if it's a pop concert? Because then they can all be pop stars. They can all like sing a pop song about their experiences, and that will like fit in an hour. And then it'll be like a fun form where like no one's like randomly breaking into song because they're there to sing because they're pop stars. And that could be like that could be like the gimmick, and that could be like you know the fun form and the excuse of pop music and like, all the and it all kind of like came together in that way. And then it kind of became the process of like okay, I've boldly decided that the six wives of Henry the Eighth would be a good topic for a musical, like better like you know and i i I, like rang Lucy. and i was like what do you what do you think of this idea and And
0: lucy what did you originally think of the idea
2: i thought that it had the potential to be really really bad like really lame and just like be a total disaster but i also you know, love the pop music thing, and as Toby said, like it was sort of the. I, I guess, I guess to sort of answer a question before from before about like the the difference of the American perspective, like in the UK, like the six wives of Henry VIII are like the most famous group of women in history, really. Like they're the most famous out of copyright group that there are. Like, and it's something everybody learns for multiple years at school. Um, when you're growing up. So like, it, it, I was sort of like, okay, it, like makes, it makes sense as like them being these like pop star figures at like, the most famous ladies of their day. But yeah, I was actually like, this could be a total disaster if we don't make it funny, basically.
3: <laughs> and it's not even like, oh, th- like, th- like this one queen from history that, you know, the famous one, but what about this one you don't know much about who didn't get their turn in the limelight? It's like the six wives of Henry VIII. And like, when we did our like GCSEs, which I feel is like the SATs, like when we were like, like everyone studied them. And, and everyone knows divorced, beheaded, died, divorced, beheaded, survived.
2: To sort of also speak something from earlier, as well as us being like, oh, we want to like write parts for women in musical theatre. This was like a time when, it was 2017, it was like six months before the Me Too movement like broke. It was a time when we were really talking about, I was, I was studying history and basically every week I was writing like a feminist version of like revisionist history of like questioning what the like prevailing narratives are. And Toby, I know you were doing that in your English literature degree as well. Like it was, that was such a like hot topic Topic for us like in general and so that was sort of part of the emphasis coming into it but also with the six wives it's like you learn it at quite a young age you don't really learn it in depth you learn essentially the most patriarchal version of this history and like and so so so, so to us like the, the 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 show is kind of written as if there's a narrative that the audience already knows And then it's written to sort of challenge that, even though technically everyone's forgotten most of what they learn at school about it. So there's sort of a thing where like in the show, we do this bit that leads up to Anne Boleyn's song, which is all like, oh, the one you've been waiting for, the mystery, the one who changed history, the temptress, and sort of like repeating back to the audience what they supposedly quote unquote know already. And similarly with like Catherine Howard, like she's known as the sort of like sexy one, the one who slept around. And in order to like question that, we sort of have to frame it as like, this is what you already know about them, so it was. It's it was very much about playing with what the kind of prevailing narrative was, whilst also trying to write it in a way that meant that the audience didn't actually have to know anything. It's sort of more like there'll be a bit where it's like tried to elope, and the Pope said nope and they're like, oh yeah, that was what ha- was Anne Boleyn was famous for, or whatever. Like,
1: so from a writing standpoint, so was this the first time that the two of you had collaborated on a? like a musical theater piece?
3: It was the first time that we'd written together because we were, we kind of became friends at uni through doing theater stuff together. We actually became friends because I went up to Lucy after I'd watched a play that she directed in our like first couple of weeks of uni. And I went up to like afterwards. I was like, you don't know who I am, but I just watched that play and I thought it was the best thing I've ever seen in my whole entire life. You're an amazing director. And then soon after that, of course, of my, my networking, um, Lucy directed me as an actor in a play. And then the main thing we kind of did together after that was in our second year which was like the panto like the pantomime um which i wrote original songs for and lucy assistant directed and choreographed dances to those numbers i think that's where like mutual talent crush kind of was solidified because like the work that lucy did on those songs it was like i was like i couldn't believe it. it was like a student production i was like this is the most like unbelievable choreography it's so like smart and funny and it's making the song sound better and oh my god like how is this person like my age what a year older than me <laughs> like what a, what a difference a year makes guys honestly but i was <laughs> like wow that's like so so cool yeah which is why when it came to like choosing a collaborator for this i was like i know mean, you haven't written before but i feel like the way that you choreograph and the way that you and Lucy had like directed so much like new writing as well and just like has like, I can just, I, I just felt like should be really a great person to write with.
0: We've seen that you guys have said in in past interviews that uh, there are certain pop artists that you would associate the queens with. Um, now, were those so for example, we wrote a couple of them down. Um, so for Aragon, Beyonce, JLo, Shakira, right? Are those uh, pop artists, were those solidified as ideas for each of the queens originally in kind of like a storyboarding way in your process? Or did that come after you've written the songs and then said, you know what, this sounds like. Like this we're going to lean into that
2: um i think it was it was a tool that we used to decide like what kind of song we wanted to write for each queen and it was like it was more sort of dramaturgical i suppose so for example with Catherine of aragon because she's got this really long sad story there was a world in which like as a as a character she could have been a sort of like power ballad like adele kind of moment it could have been the jane seymour person but we were really like okay You know, Catherine of Aragon is the first queen. We're gonna basically do this sort of revisionist history version of like a feminist history story. The first thing that everyone's kind of expecting or that sets the bar is a sort of like, you know, sit down, shut up, Henry. I'm gonna tell you what to do. Great. So we'll use that bit of her story. And then the song should be, you know, the classic girl power, run the world. Beyonce Shakira JLo song to set the tone in that way great cool and then it was like with Anne Boleyn we were like oh everybody knows her as this thing wouldn't it be fun to like approach the history as like revising it and making it like she wasn't calculating and manipulative she was actually just like having a bit of a joke okay so what's the kind of what, what kind of character would that be oh a bit like Lily Allen a bit like Miley Cyrus kind of okay great so that's the kind of song that that would be so it kind of came about based on what bit of the history we wanted to sort of attack or based on what we thought like dramaturgically would fit e.g. the third one we were like great that's where the ballad comes so then we'll do the sad one and that's why she'll be like Adele or whatever or like Emily Sandé or whoever it is. That's
0: so interesting yeah because it's like you're almost playing with the the structure of what story you wanted to tell in terms of like you know the arcs of actual like the, the story and then use the the artists that we know to kind of make those uh, points land along the plot.
2: Totally and I think also we We just knew that we wanted it to be like, you know, these six amazing like pop star women so we wanted them to be like a cross-section of like what you understand as sort of like the best divas of pop kind of thing i think it's like we, we knew that we wanted variety in that and and musically we wanted like the songs to all stand alone and be different you know as if they could be pop songs in of not their, their own right so it'd be a bit weird if they all did a beyonce song you know a create or they all did crazy and laugh
3: but what's what's kind of cool <laughs> is that like because a lot of like the like the genres of the songs were dictated by like the personalities of the real life pop stars that were like huge at the time of writing. And even like since then, like if we were to write six now, maybe like the pop star references for like the different personalities would be like, would be different because of like, you know, who's in the top 40 compared to four years ago, four or five years ago. But what's really cool is that every time there's like a new production of six now, in the directing process the cast are really like encouraged to like draw upon like what pop stars they think would be like a really good influence for like the character approach that they want to do and so what's cool is that we have people now who are like doing like a Billie eilish kind of Berlin or like a lizzo kind of Cleves when like these are two women that like I hadn't heard of when we were like writing the show and so it's like cool that it kind of like hits like refresh every time there's any production now
1: so when brian and i first saw the production on broadway we saw it a few days before march 12th um and i didn't know anything about the show i hadn't listened to the music beforehand which sometimes i really prefer because then you just go in totally open-minded and immediately i was like identifying these women who i had not really known well or at all in some cases and i was like yes i i can see who she is I can see like her character fully developed with you know by the end of the first number for sure based on kind of the the pop star essence that they were kind of that they were delivering on stage and it made it very relatable to me and that's one of the things that we talked with Brittany Mack last week about or last episode about was that she was able to even though it originated across the pond and that obviously now this is in in the states that she was able to really dive into Cleves and really make it her own even though obviously Cleves was a real person um and was portrayed on stage by another actor and several actors before her but she said she loved that process of like the rehearsal and like diving into the character and like really nitpicking certain things so it's cool that you're saying that like lizzo and other tiktok people were involved
3: Mm. (laughs) yeah oh and she's so good she's amazing yeah she's
1: amazing (laughs) Um, So So question while we're talking about Brittany for a second. So she mentioned that um, House of Holbein, that song appears randomly, you know, it can appear randomly in the cast album when you're not familiar with the flow of the show. Um, But then once you see it on stage, it completely ties everything together. And as soon as she said that, I was like, all the pieces just kind of fit in with me. And I was like, yes, like that's so true. Cause I obviously listened to the cast album after i had seen the production. So my perspective wasn't like that. Um, and then obviously when she said that I was like, I'm going through like all of the research of like who this guy was and finding out that he did, portraits on all of the women and so how did how did he kind of fit in with your development process or your writing process to the show
2: i think we were originally when we first sat down to plan it we had a kind of thing where there was going to be like little interludes like between each number and like maybe we were sort of thinking like maybe they'll play like you know uh, maybe Boleyn will play herself but also will like multi-role as Elizabeth at some point and like you know maybe they'll take on these thing and then Hans Holbein was just like one of the characters that we were like obsessed with and thought would be really fun as a sort of like camp German fashionista basically and also I was studying like very in-depth studying his work as part of my degree <laughs> so I was like kind of obsessed with him I like knew a bit about him and then the sort of thing where like as we realized that like we didn't want the multi-rolling and like, you know, this is before like Henry was even in the story, you know, was even decided to not be on stage. Like when we realized we wanted them to be themselves, whatever, we also then again, structurally were like, we do sort of need a, a group number in the middle. And we'd had this like house of Holbein idea as like how we were going to introduce Anna of Cleves, but also, you know, like a card game that was going to introduce like whoever. And I guess to a certain extent in the show, the one you've been waiting for introduction to Ambulance, is sort of like still a relic of that kind of idea. But basically as we realized we didn't want loads of like interludes that weren't like that were in different roles, Hans Holbein just never really died out and yeah we just dramaturgically were like oh we think it would be you know there's been we've been three people we've got this sort of like lull after the half zone how do we like kick it up a notch or like change the direction completely and like make it kind of like fun and tie the tie all together so it was basically just like us like holding on to this old idea and not being able to let go of it but also yeah just being like oh we need a group number and then when we were writing it it was uh, we then decided we were like okay well like how can we make this sort of about like a central thesis that like sort of the reflecting the central thesis of the show and so we kind of were like okay well why don't we make it about like you know, the lyrics about, like, body image and about, like, the, the expectations on women historically and today and, like, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, that's kind of how it came about.
3: And we wrote it during the rehearsal process <laughs> of the student production. Like, it, it, it wasn't there when they were rehearsing it. And then it was like, oh, shit, we need, like, a number in the middle.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, was like, I literally like, wrote it. And then I think I woke up at, like, 5 a.m. to, like, choreograph it and then teach it to everybody that day. <laughs> love,
1: love those stories.
0: <laughs> Lucy, I'm wondering, like, as a director, how do you balance the image of the original women f- from the history with that of the show that you've c- written and created and are now directing? Is there like a definitive decision that needs to be made with each of the queens when you're when you're sitting down and and figuring out how you're going to direct it versus writing
2: what's interesting i think what's helpful for us is that because again it didn't come from a place of us wanting to really accurately like portray these women's lives and like obviously it came from a place of us wanting to be like like as writers, that's one thing to like re uh, to to retell history from a feminist perspective. But it wasn't like these six women are so hard done by. Like it was like kind of like that's sort of a metaphor for all women. And essentially, when we were writing, we were very clear that what we wanted to do was talk about the like exp- the feminist like experience today and what what women and non-binary people essentially go through on a daily basis today. So so much of so so basically that 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 sort of central thesis has always put the the actual like quote unquote, like accuracy or like, like yeah. whatever in terms of like trying to like authentically recreate the those actual original queens in such a backseat because it's really not about them. Like they are essentially like six of the most privileged women in privileged white women in history. And like, we don't, it's, it's not actually about like those specific individuals being, having their stories reclaimed, it's sort of about what it is about them, but also about what they represent. So in terms of like directorially, I'm not really interested in like trying to like be true to who those people were so much as I'm interested in being true to what a feminist story is, what is relevant to people's experience today and to those individual performers, what they can bring in themselves. So essentially like when we're casting and when we're directing, as Toby mentioned, with the kind of like having their own inspirations, having them bringing themselves to it, like it's so important that they're basically using the story as a vessel for their own experiences in the same way that when we were writing it, like what, what we essentially did was like go through their their you know, the, the story beats of their lives and go, what feels resonant today? What bit of my life can I relate to? Oh yeah, this time that somebody decided I was really manipulative essentially because I'm a lady rather than when they wouldn't have treated a man like that. Great, let's make that half ambulance story. So it's sort of about that process, applying the kind of the same... Central thesis we place in the writing to the directorial process.
0: And now, what was the process like for both of you once you started to get commercial interest in the show? How did that really shift things for you guys in both a creative standpoint and then just in terms of business now at that point and like just the interest from commercial producers and bringing on other creative team members? And because it, it, you know, I I would assume in my festival experience, like it's this very like tight knit. Um, I'm not sure how many of you guys were involved in the original inception of it, how small your creative team was. But once you start bringing in more people, I'm sure that really like changes things and levels everything up in a way. It was definitely
3: uh, a shift and it was, you know, I guess like a, a fairly rocky transition from going from doing um, this student production to the production that it is now and you know that went through several processes of you know we're doing doing this like showcase production in between that was kind of like a halfway house where we had like some of the team from the fringe but some people that were going to be in the production that, that it is now and um and also like that was you know a transition of Lucy like becoming the director as well.
1: So I I had read that you guys were hoping that, you know, maybe like a big fancy director would come by and see you guys at the festival or at the Fringe, but then you had a bunch of producers Come through and request some meetings. Was is that true? I don't think we were ever hoping for a a big director to come and. See. We weren't hoping for anything. We just thought
2: that <laughs> we were at like one person at least per day would buy a ticket, so there'd be a reason to do this. But I, I think right, we, right, right. We really weren't expecting anything, but I think mm. I think we yeah when producers started coming to see it, and it became clear that it was maybe going to have a future life again like all we were really hoping for at that point was like oh wow we might be able to do it for a week at a pub theater in london wouldn't that be amazing and then it sort of you know became clear that we were being offered offered sort of more dramatic and exciting things than that
0: i mean not because i know you just said that the process was a little rocky getting it from where it was to where it is now and like not not to go like Too far into the rockiness, but I'm just wondering because I'm sure a lot of people don't realize what happens on the back end when a show is developing. What were what were some of the things that you you didn't expect? Now are are part of the process of bringing something to a commercial production and and taking it out of the festivals um, orbit. You know, like I I think about now getting representation for yourselves. Was that something that you had to establish? Now Um, I'm sure speaking with like a any kind of representation lawyers uh, writing we knew
3: literally nothing about how the industry worked we knew genuinely nothing and like and, and and because Lucy said we were going into the fringe as like a fun summer project with our friends like and Lucy wasn't there Lucy was um, in in Cambridge directing a, a different show and so I was kind of there and like people would come up to me after the show and be like hi like I own a theatre, or like, hi, I'm a commercial producer, or like, hi, I work in licensing. Can we have a meeting? And I was like, I don't know the difference between any of those things. And then like I remember we because we at this point I already knew George Styles, the composer, because he'd been in, in like a band with my dad at school. <laughs> and so I like, and I'd done my like, my work experience with him like a couple of years earlier. And I, I messaged him, and be like, hey, like all these people are like asking for like meetings and for all these things. That I don't understand anything. And he was like, don't sign anything. Just be polite. Say you'll meet up with them at some point after the fringe. I'll come see it when it's back in Cambridge and I'll give you my thoughts. But basically, yeah. But then once we did start getting commercial interest after we'd done the, the, the end of the student run. We just, like, knew nothing about what any of it meant. But then Andy and Wendy Barnes, who are two of the producers currently, um, currently, <laughs> as if they're going to leave the project scene, I reckon, they're probably a bit <laughs> bored. Um, but, like, no, yeah, but they're, they're, they're two of the producers. And they we, like, went to their office for them to be, like, you know, pitch themselves as producers to us. And we were, like, we don't know what producers are, what is theatre, In what is commercial theatre. And they spent, like, an hour just, like, detailing us, like, how the structure of commercial theater works what producers are what royalties are what blah 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 is that was like the most unbelievably helpful thing and they were like even if you don't go with us like this is how theater works And i was like oh god if like every person that wants to go into theater like have this talking to it'd be so helpful because it really like demystified a lot of the things that we were stressed about and then yeah in terms of representation um we actually got a lawyer before we got agents because it was um you know, when we had this interest from these commercial producers and they were like, hey, we want to like do a professional showcase of your show in this West End theater in a couple of months. We were like, wow, that's great. And then they're like, here's a contract. And we were like, what? <laughs> like, what are you talking about? But then, like, we understood that, like, having like, you know, an agent is like a big decision and it's someone that, like, is going to like, you, know, you want to be someone you it want to be, it wants to be like the right person you have a really good like connection with, someone that you trust, someone that gets you artistically. And we didn't want to like rush into that decision. We also like had these contracts that we needed to, signed. So then, um, George, the composer, was like, Oh, well, like, why don't my lawyer have a look over them? Because I really trust him. Shout out to John Cohen, our fabulous lawyer. And then we met him, and he was like, The loveliest person in the whole entire world. And like, literally, like, he was like, Oh, yeah, th- th- these all look good. And we like, Can you explain? can and then we like went away and like read the contract like from page to page which i can't say i've ever done since <laughs> but he, And he was just like and we like went through like every single paragraph We're, like so what does this bit mean like subsection clause 2a point i like what does that mean john like what's a royalty pool um and then like he really like huh i still don't know <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know what role was was. Okay. but yeah. And then he really like took us through that, and that was really really helpful. Um, and then from there is when we we met our agents, um, Alistair and Helen.
0: Just like hearing you guys talk about this, just like you said, it's so interesting to ha- to especially for our listeners to be able to like demystify this process in a little bit because you know you we only see certain things on the outside, and it's like those things on the on the back end are so interesting, and it's it's so and a so part of the process and
1: so important. <laughs> Like, yeah, so much red tape and so many fine lines to yeah. I also think smash. I think <laughs> that like the main thing that like I like would say I like
2: learned from that time or like what the main like change was is that like before I'd really thought of what we were doing as like amateur theatre for fun that is like non-professional and then I'd seen like professional theatre as this like completely separate completely like above everything else like I was like we've just been doing you know we, we'd basically been putting on like You know, I feel like I've been involved in like you know, on average six to eight productions a term at university, like directing, doing all, basically working like a theatre person full time, essentially. And then I sort of thought that we knew nothing compared to everybody in the professional world. The professional world was completely different and on this whole other level, and that. And then I think that what I sort of like realized through the process of going through this workshop, which was like slightly more upscale and then doing a tour and then doing all the stuff is that it's all the same. Like, and I really wish that at that time I'd treated the amateur theater world that I was in with the respect of the professional world. And also that I'd treated the professional world with, with the like lack of respect that I have with the amateur, not the lack of respect. Do you know what I mean? I wish I'd like realized that actually you should treat them both with a similar amount of like uh, casualness, but also seriousness. Do you know what I mean? I just really put them in different places. Mm. And that's kind of where a lot of the problems came from was like us, not me personally, not understanding that just you know, just because something's quote unquote professional doesn't mean it like that the, the previous thing wasn't worth, you know, hasn't hasn't got as much, if not more worth than that. Do you know what I mean? It was just that's sort yeah. of the, the mistake I feel like I personally made and hopefully won't again.
1: From I mean, I'm not a writer. I work with a producer and a writer, and I know that the relationship between the two, um, especially like early on in the development process, needs to be, you know. Tight because there's a lot of th- you know a lot of collaboration involved, a lot of discussions that are being had and choices that are being made. Um, and so I'm curious as to how you both, as you were meeting with producers, um, and you have several producers now who have joined the project between all being even Australia, I'm assuming too now because um, I just read that this morning. Um, how did you guys know um, when the producer was it really just a feeling that this producer felt right for the project? Um, because like you said, you weren't necessarily actively like looking for a commercial producer. They were coming to you. So you kind of had that, that luxury of like just meeting with a bunch of people and like getting to know a bunch of producers. So I'm curious as to how you landed on the, the core group that you did.
3: Yeah. I think as you said, like it just, it did feel right. And like, it wasn't like we met with like loads and loads and loads and loads and loads There was like it was just like there was andy and wendy who they came like really really early on at the fringe to come see it and they really it really felt like they liked the piece a lot and they really like and, and they work in like they, well at, at the time their main thing was perfect pitch which was like developing new musicals but when they saw six they were like we don't want to do this as perfect pitch because we don't think it needs developing. We think it's close to like a finished product. We, we want to like produce it commercially. And then when then we met Kenny because George, the composer who I, who I'd known came to see it. And he was like, I'm going to send Kenny who is someone who I really think is great and who I trust to come see it. And then Kenny came to see it like the next day or two days later and you know a few days after that he was like i really like it and i want to I, I i trust it enough and i trust you enough to put on a professional showcase in like eight weeks time at in, in a commercial theater in london and it was just like i don't know the way that they spoke about the show and like other producers that we'd spoken to were like wanted to like change it a lot or like mold it into something different and like they were like, oh, we, it needs like a backstory or it needs like an interval or it needs like double the amount of songs. Whereas those the the ones that we're now with were really like, like we, it needs some adjustments, but we like trust the material. And they really wanted to like put us in a position of like control over it as well. It made us feel like respected, I guess.
1: yeah. Totally.
0: What was something that maybe you didn't know about Broadway that maybe it was like the first question you had for the producers about what the Broadway run was going to be like? And I know that it came so far down the line, kind of like, it just like the way that we talked with Kevin about it, it was after so many things, it just happened.
2: Um, I think for me, it's the, it's the backstage world is so different in terms of like, the unions and like the fact that you can't touch a prop if like there's so many rules and like it's this entire like sort of language that everybody but you <laughs> speaks i think in terms of like the show itself because we've done it so many times or because we literally you know this was our cast that we worked with for months from chicago like i don't think that i was particularly like or we should change stuff. Or like you know, like worried about like uh, basically like broader is the opportunity to kind of like realize a lot of the changes we wanted to make, or like production like you know bells and whistles that we'd kind of always wanted to do but hadn't necessarily had the time or budget to do. But like so for me, it wasn't like I wasn't really feeling like uh, uneasy about the show or like something to do with that or whether it was going to work or not. I sort of felt quite confident about that Touchwood. But I think that the uh, yeah, the, it's it's the like the the fact that everybody like there's a sort of like house minimums for the amount of musicians that you can have and there's you know everybody backstage like works in that theater and in the UK that's really not how it works and also like there's so many like the rules with like you know even like tea breaks and timings and all that kind of stuff that just is completely different that like we it was really great that we had such a brilliant um, PSM Bonnie um, working on it who really like held our hands through all of that
1: because it was scary. (laughs) Amazing. Um, so you had mentioned that you had you had either realized changes or that you wanted to make or you had a few changes to make for the Broadway production. But were there other changes that you guys were um, holding on to for the Broadway production to make? Or was it really just kind of see once you got into the room with with the cast and the creative team to see kind of what what came about essentially through the rehearsal process? It's more like when you're putting up a, repl- a replica production, and
2: you've got like a certain amount of time to get everything done, get everything up, and blah, blah blah. Not the whole team is there, and everything. You and then you watch it, and you go through the previews, and you like you're always. It's always a battle against time, and there were so many things. It, it, the changes were mostly like directorial in terms of like design and stuff like that, but and sort of more like elevations as opposed to like changes. But in terms of like the writing, it was like it. The, the, there was there'd be like a bit of it where essentially spoilers for the show. Catherine Parr like quote unquote like stops the show and then like changes the plan for how it usually is. And before Broadway it was like sort of in this halfway house we hadn't fully like committed to that really. It It just felt like, so there's a bit where she like starts a song and then she's like, I'm not gonna sing my song this evening. And everyone's like, oh my gosh. But like the intro of that song didn't feel like it actually, you know, it didn't actually feel like the beginning of one of all the other numbers. It was obvious that it wasn't real. So essentially like the rewrites that we did sort of were like about just like repacing and like committing to that. And essentially it came about from, not from like being in the room being like, oh, let's try this, but from like watching processes where you're sitting in the audience and every night you're like that's not quite right oh that's something that I don't like like that all of our rewrites essentially happened from like enduring bad writing for a long time whilst watching a, a version of the show and then being like how can we fix that and then it, like over time us discussing like, oh yeah so next time we do it let's fix that bit Then we fix that bit and then we'd watch it all and be like that is just not quite right, or whatever it is so yeah it's kind of it was more like We sort of knew what we wanted to address before we went into the room with Broadway.
1: And I'm sure it's been a lot of fun and and a part of the process of getting to watch all these different productions in such a short period of time. I mean, four or five years is doesn't feel like a short period of time, but having multiple productions kind of stacked and stuff, I'm sure you've been able to see different perspectives and have been able to make some changes accordingly, which is pretty cool.
0: What are some things that you guys are both looking forward to about the next steps? And maybe what are some dreams of yours for the production moving forward? Because it's so interesting because I I do want to just say like, at least here in America, everybody always says like Broadway is like the dream. So like you guys made it to Broadway. What is like the dream from here
3: to finish something else (laughs) (laughs) to finish another show? I mean, because like literally as as a, a bored everyone to death with by saying repeating repeating so many times that when we wrote six it was meant to be it wasn't meant to be anything more than a student production at the fringe and so kind of like when a producer was like i want to do a professional showcase of your work in a West End theater that was kind of like oh my god this is like beyond any dream i could have ever had for my career this is like ridiculous this is unbelievable we're like our show is going to be like on in the west end what the hell? And because I'm like, since then, with like everything with the album, it going to like all these other countries, it going to America, going to Broadway. It's kind of like our like dream for the show was kind of like maxed out when when I went to the West End and everything like beyond that has been like just like increasingly and exceedingly like unbelievable and incomprehensible and amazing. Um, and so I kind of feel like speaking for myself, but hopefully for both of us as well that like the next part of our you know, career and journey that we're looking forward to is like obviously like, you know, Six opening on Broadway and like having our opening night and doing that and it being there and us being in New York and having that moment that we haven't really, that we missed out on because of COVID. But then after that, like starting from scratch of like m- putting on like our next show, you know? And like with, what, with all the knowledge and experience that we've had from doing Six for the last four years, because we've been running around for four years, being like oh yes like you know we're writers but we wrote the show in 2017 and did some tweaks since then but like it, i'm looking forward to you know kind of like and over the past year you know we've been being writers and we've been doing writing and i'm really looking forward to the the journey ahead of like putting on something else you know yeah um and i don't know other glamorous things that will come with six
0: i'm sure yeah <laughs> down the line
2: <laughs> i won't be honest. to see how about yeah. it for you I
3: yeah,
2: yeah. do a release an album where she covers all of the songs. So that's what I want. Yeah, Beyonce performs six.
1: Let's put that right out there in the universe. I mean let's oh let's start God. it now.
0: The sequel Lucy, to the telephone video. <laughs> Any uh anything that you're looking forward to?
2: Um yeah, I'm looking forward to when Beyonce records her covers of sex album. Um yeah, obviously looking forward to Broadway and just like our our whole company, like performers and everyone, just like not not even really, I mean, obviously the opening is going to be so good and amazing. But then after that, when they're like doing it week by week and we have our like alternates going on and blah, blah, you know, all that kind of stuff, that's just going to be the like day-to-day running of it. I'm just really excited for them to have that because in the UK, we've been fortunate enough to have like a few bursts here and there where people can have work and then now they're all up and running and it's so great to see the companies like that. So I think just like seeing them in their day-to-day running. I think also something that um, I'm looking forward to in the future is I feel like, making sure I think this is something that we me and Toby were talking about the other day and in fact this is something that really Toby's been um brings to the table a lot is about the fact that with our casting we always are very like we really want to encourage like trans people and non-binary people to come be in the show but so far the professional version I don't unless I'm speaking well as far as I'm aware the professional version hasn't had a a trans woman or non-binary person like in a kind of like paid role and that's in that way and I feel like I'm really excited for us being more committed to making making that happen and opening the space as much as possible and not just being like it's open to you who come and find it but really like reaching out to find people and invite them into the space
0: yeah that's really exciting i look forward to seeing the show with with those actors yeah and the other other thing
3: i'd say as well just going off what lisa was saying before was that the broadway company are just so 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 good
0: are we getting a cast album
3: oh my God, dot, 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 Brian, dot, dot, <laughs> fingers, dot, crossed, dot.
0: fingers crossed, fingers like, just... crossed.
3: Yeah, think, honestly, fingers crossed. But like, but yeah, I, and I'm honestly, we got a month of previews of, of, you know, New York audiences seeing them. I'm just so excited for the world to see them and to see the Broadway production because it's like, it's, it's, it's
0: wild. I mean, if you look at the advanced sales yeah, yes. you look at the advanced sales of a lot of the Broadway shows right now as they reopen in the fall, like you guys have a lot of sold out dates. And like I haven't really? seen that. Yes, I haven't seen that That's in because cool. in... I'm crazy and I look at that stuff. I like look at that, you know, whatever. But you guys have literal blacked out sold out <laughs> dates, which is like an anomaly apparently right now moving forward into the fall. <laughs> so people are so excited to see six and that's just so exciting for you, for you guys and your whole company. Oh, um, so we always end our it. episodes. Uh, Mary, is it okay if I go into the lightning round? Yeah. 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 Great, so we always end our episodes with a lightning round. So it's no, 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 no. There's no <laughs> pressure. The you together. We- <laughs> no pressure. You don't have to, you don't have to speed through them. It's just like, we're not going to really elaborate or respond. So, Let's let's uh, establish an order. So Lucy and then Toby for all the questions. Just so so we we know what we're doing here. (laughs) You're putting Lucy right on the spot. Answering all of them. Right. So, what is one thing in the theater industry that confuses you? Tea breaks. Mine is royalty pools.
1: What are three adjectives that describe your ideal working environment? Fun, supportive, communicative.
3: Oh my god fun as well um like
0: <laughs> inclusive um and um like fair <laughs> is there something in your process that you find unique to you as an artist that you like to bring with you on each you know show that you work on
2: i say the phrase but why about 400 times a day
0: <laughs> always
3: questioning um my unstoppable banter <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> um okay what is one job in the theater industry that you would trade jobs with for one week costume designer
3: one of the queens of sex
1: <laughs> and you did didn't you? you you did that i
3: did but only only for two shows i'd do the whole goddamn week if i could <laughs>
1: <Ooh>. <laughs> i could play all of them in rotation <laughs> For that week.
0: Are there bootlegs (laughs) of that? I want to see. (laughs) (laughs) There are. There are. What is one hobby that you both have outside of the theater industry?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Kayaking. We have not had that answer before.
3: (laughs) Doing my makeup.
1: Do you have any books or any resources that you have found helpful to you as you've made your way through over the last four or five years? Oh, yes.
2: Um, The Royal Court does a writer's podcast um or did a writer's podcast that Simon Stevens was hosting um and that's very interesting just hearing playwrights talking about their process and stuff like um we someone was like I do all my meetings on one day so they're not distracted for the rest of the week and then we sort of did that you know stuff like that tips and tricks from the royal court playwrights podcast
3: honestly the most the thing like it's not like a book or a podcast but Mm -hmm. that's like the thing that I found most helpful is like talking to other writers about what about their process and especially writing partners and anytime that we've done like a writing retreat. sorry it's not lightning round is it <laughs> the first writing it's okay. ret- it's right. but it's just like communicating with other writers and like forming like networks with other writers is it, it just really helps me and us i think
0: yeah that's that's really that's interesting and so um, that makes sense Um, and then our final question is what is your favorite part about the development process of a new show
2: uh playing a friend that no the feeling you get when you're Really excited to play one of your songs to a friend, and you're just like, So we wrote this song today, and it was like desperate for them to be like, Oh, can I hear it? And then, like, when you play it to them, or when you're like, I'm really nervous about whether this is going to go well, and you play someone a song and they like really respond in the way that you've hoped and dreamed. Um, that's the best.
3: As Lucy said, that moment when, like, we're writing something and then, like, the spark happens and you're like, oh my God, and you just, like, get it out and you can't stop and you're laughing and you're working on it and then you're, like, get, like getting really excited about something that you're writing and, as you said, you're like, oh my God, I just, like can't wait to play this to a friend to, for the world to see this. Really good moment. Love that. But uh, that that's my favourite one. But to do one that's different to Lucy's, the, like, ugh, I love a SITS probe. Or I think in America maybe you call it a Vondel probe,
0: no six probe, yeah, it's yeah, probe. yeah,
3: and like just like the first time you hear that all come together uh, in any show, that's always really fun. And also I think like we're used to this thing on on six of like the first day of rehearsals when like I'd go in <laughs> and like sing the show, like before the album came out, but I'd like sing the show the piano to like the cast and like or just like the moment when like in any show that, that I've done, where like the people who are gonna be performing the material hear the material for the first time and are getting all excited about it. And then you're kind of like visualizing them doing it as they're hearing it for the first time. That's always quite like an electric moment. Really fun fun vibe with that. Amazing. Amazing.
1: Well, thank you both for, for joining us. Where can our listeners find you guys on social if they want to hear more, learn more? Oh yeah. I'm at
2: Moosey Loss. So it's like Lucy Moss, but you switch the M and the L around, you know, um, on like Twitter and Instagram and stuff. I think I'm Mrs. Moosey Loss on TikTok because somebody, there's a fake version of myself because I didn't get in there quick enough. So,
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> And I'm at Six the Musical. <laughs> <Of
1: course.
3: laughs> I'm at the Toby Marlow, which I have regretted ever since I made, but. Yeah, at the Toby Marlow if you want to
0: <laughs> check me out. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Thank you both so much and especially for like enduring all of the technical issues that we've had during this episode. For any listeners, we've been kicked on and off like multiple times, but it's cool. We made it through and I'm um, going to have You'll like never editing It'll be a seamless edit. <laughs> Thank you both this so much and, and uh, you know, wishing you guys the best with your Broadway debut. Mm. Ooh.
3: Thank you I so much, much. hope to see you
1: there. Woo! Thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode of Page to Stage. To keep up with us, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Page to Stage Podcast.
0: If you enjoyed this conversation, we have other episodes with theater makers from Six the Musical. Check them out. Until next time.
1: That's Brian. That's Mary. And we'll see you later.
0: Have you ever wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud